And now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be acceptable to you, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. If I could add just one announcement to Peter's list of announcements. Uh, Peter will be ordained to the diaconate this Saturday. It's Saturday, uh, July, June 20th. That's a uh, very exciting step for him and for the life of this church. It's uh, understandably a limited gathering due to the restrictions that we're facing, but we will broadcast it uh, through Zoom. And uh, next Sunday, you'll see Peter wearing one of these uh, fancy shirts. So uh, it's a moment that we celebrate with him and uh, grateful to see his ministry expanding. Well, let's turn to God's Word. And as I do, I just want to start off with what I think is a fairly illogical emotion on my part, and that is my my relative fear of flying compared to my fear of driving. I am not afraid to get in my car. I never say a prayer when I turn on the ignition. I ne- my palms never sweat. Well, I guess occasionally they do as I'm driving on 395 or, I, or I'm teaching my daughter to drive. But in general, uh, driving does not cause me any anxiety. Flying, however, does. And uh, whenever the plane takes off, I find myself with my palms just a little bit sweaty. I find uh, myself saying a, a small prayer, Good Lord, keep the wings on. Uh, And you know, as well as I know, that the likelihood of anything happening in in any form of travel is very limited, uh, but especially limited in air travel. Air travel is not twice as safe, it's not three times as safe as car travel. Air travel is 20 times safer than traveling by car. Yet, I'm probably not the only one who feels a little more anxiety when I buckle that seatbelt in the, in the airplane and I feel the, 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 the plane taking off. Now, now, why is that? Why do we have a disproportionate degree of anxiety? We all know that one is safer than the other. And I have a feeling that the reason for air, our anxiety is because we have a lack of control. When I'm in the car and I press the gas, I go forward. I press the brake, I slow down. I could do all the pressing that I want in an airplane and nothing's going to happen. I am completely out of control. My my safety, uh, my well-being is in the hands of somebody else. And I think that is a large cause of my anxiety. A lack of control causes anxiety for most of us. It causes anxiety for me, certainly. Now, we are in a sermon series titled Lessons in the Wilderness. Lessons from the Wilderness. And our sermon series will follow the people of God as the people of God wander from the banks of the Nile River, where the exodus occurred, to the banks of the Jordan River, where God's people entered the land of promise, a land called Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
Well, in between those two, those two banks, the banks of the Nile and the banks of the Jordan, there's about a 40-year time span of which, in during which God's people wandered through the wilderness. And it was a long journey, 40 years. It was a hard journey. The term wilderness is an apt description of the land they went through. Many years ago, Jennifer and I, still dating, we went on a tour of the Middle East. Our tour started in Jordan, which is south of Israel, and we drove north to Israel. We must have at some point in time crossed the paths that the people of God traveled some thousands of thousands of years ago. And from the comfort of an air-conditioned tour bus, I can attest that wilderness, that's the only word for it. You may be following along in our slides. And that looks a little uh, nice compared to the wilderness uh, that we saw. Rocky, barren, dry. On a wilderness is inhospitable to human life. Here's a definition of wilderness. It is inhospitable to human life and not conducive or unconducive, unhelpful to human flourishing. And though my exposure was limited, I can certainly attest that that is an apt description of the journey they went on. It is difficult to imagine human life or any life flourishing in the places where they traveled for 40 years. It was a hard journey. Their faith was tested. Uh, their character was revealed. And oftentimes their character, the character of the people of God was revealed as lacking. Yet, in many ways, it was a good journey. Not good and pleasant, but good in the fact that as their character was tested, their character was shaped, their character was refined, and they learned lessons along the way. And we're going to join them in the lessons that they learned. Over the next week, we'll look at eight lessons that we can learn from the wilderness wanderings of the people of God. And here is the lesson that I want to present for you this morning. The lesson that I think we can glean from Exodus chapter 16. I'll state it in the negative, and it has a positive component. The negative is that while God does provide for the needs of his people in the wilderness, and he does, we'll get to the text, even though God provides for his people, even though he provides for the physical needs of his people, God's people remain anxious because the source of their satisfaction is beyond their control. Does that make sense? God provides, yes, but the source, the people's source of satisfaction, God, is beyond their control, and that causes anxiety. Let me point to the text and explain what I mean. Verse 2 of chapter 16 is a great summary of this chapter. It's a great summary of the entire wilderness wanderings. Let me read it. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, saying, would that we have died in the hand of the Lord in Egypt, by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, when we sat by meat pots and ate bread, 
but you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly of hunger. In the wilderness, which is inhospitable to human life, they run out of food, they grumble for their lack of food, God hears their grumbling and God provides. Verse 4, Behold, I will rain down manna from heaven. And he does. But there is a catch. And you know the catch just as well as I do. How much manna does God provide? Just enough for one day. The people shall go out, continuing in verse 4, The people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. It reminds us of another prayer we may be familiar with. Jesus, when he said, Give us this day our daily bread, was likely referencing this daily provision of bread in the wilderness. God provides one day's portion and one day's portion only. Every day. Now, do God's people listen? Of course not. Would you listen? No way. I'd see some manna lying on the ground. I'd think, huh, you know what? God's been good this day, but who knows about tomorrow? I'm just going to scoop up a little bit extra, which is what, of course, of course, what the people of God do. They, they get a little stash, and it rots. It turns to worms, and uh, there's a, they, don't, they don't trust God. So again, to state my point, even though God provides for the physical needs of his people, his people remain anxious because the source of their provision is beyond their control. Make sense? And their distaste for dependence is clearly stated in verse 3 when they look back with longing to Egypt and think, huh, We trade our freedom just to be certain of our provision. We rather be slaves in Egypt with plenty of food instead of free but dependent upon God for our daily needs. That's the big lesson from this story. Does it apply to us? Absolutely. Because you and I do not like dependency any better than they like dependency. Why does airplane travel make you anxious, make me anxious, even though it is 20 times safer than getting in your car? It is because you are not in control. You are completely dependent. Your fate is entirely in the hands of someone else. Now, I have found that there is one thing that helps my anxiety in the flight and that is that moment when the pilot comes on the radio or on the intercom and he says something i'm sure he's there his presence is calculated to relieve my anxiety because he tells me things that i don't really need to know he tells me my cruising altitude at forty thousand feet I would not know if we were at 10,000. It doesn't matter to me. He tells me the weather at the place where I'm going, which I already know. No, he is there or she is there so that I can hear a reasonable, calm, professional, casual voice on the intercom. And I can think, oh, well, they seem competent. They seem professional. I guess I will do what they tell me to do and sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight.
You see, if you and I can come to trust the pilot, the flight can actually be very enjoyable. And the same thing is true for the wilderness. If we can trust the pilot, the trip is really not that bad. The wilderness makes us more aware of our dependence. More aware of our dependence. And if we can get used to that sense of being dependent upon God, like we're dependent upon a pilot, the journey becomes palatable. Not just palatable, but enjoyable. I feel like our church has been through a little bit of a wilderness for the past seven months. An electrical fire in October. You can see the damage behind me as you exit. Uh, an electrical fire in October. A pandemic in March. Is this equivalent to their 40-year wanderings? No, not by a long shot. But if a wilderness is not conducive to the health of human life, then the things that we have experienced, uh, uh, no predictability in when we're going to worship and where we're going to worship, those things are not conducive to the health of an organization. So it has been a little bit of a wilderness. And you know what? It's not been that bad. Matter of fact, I'd even say it's been good. It's good to be in the wilderness because we all know that, especially in regards to a church, of course, churches depend upon God, but we don't really act like that. I feel like for most days, the church depends upon me. However, in the wilderness, when you find out on Tuesday you don't have a place to worship on Sunday, you really have got no choice. You've got to depend upon God. And what we find out in the wilderness is that, lo and behold, God is dependable. And it's exciting. It's exciting to see God's provision for us as we called on Tuesday for a place to worship on Sunday. As we found out on December 14th, we didn't have any place to worship on Christmas Eve. And lo and behold, a neighborhood synagogue came to our rescue. It's exciting, not without its challenges, to learn a new form of worship. I don't love worship on Zoom. I probably never will. But it's not that bad. I even kind of like the PowerPoint which is, I thought I would roll over my grave if I actually said that, but it's not that bad. There's been good things that we've learned along the way. And as we've depended more upon God, we've become more aware of His dependability. Despite our wilderness, despite our less than ideal circumstances over these past eight months, I've just never been more confident in the health of this church. And what Peter referenced of this congregation giving small gifts that accounted for over $30,000 given not to our church, but to the organizations that we support to alleviate the challenges caused by this pandemic, I point to that as just one indicator of the vitality of the body of Christ that we have here. Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew. During his leadership, people would tell him, Bill, we've got a big problem. Who knows what that problem was? They were under budget. They were overexpending. And Bill would respond and say, no, 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 I don't have a big problem. God has a big problem. <laughs> Let's see how he answers. Let's depend on him to resolve this big problem. And folks, over these past eight months, I feel just a little bit of that freedom. And it feels good. Greater freedom. Greater flexibility. Less 
fear of failure. And I think our challenge, my challenge, the people of the challenge for the people of God is to remember that yes, there are times when we feel the wilderness a little bit more acutely. Our life is always one of wilderness. You and I, despite every illusion that you may put in front of ourselves, you and I are never in control. We are always completely dependent upon God. Yes, there are times when we can feel it a little bit more acutely, but don't ever think that uh, you've got it made in the shade. Your life is always a wilderness. John Bunyan's first line of his great book, The Pilgrim's Progress, begins this way. As I walk through the wilderness of this earthly life, you are always dependent upon God. And it is healthy for us every once in a while to have some of the props removed and to tr be forced to depend upon God. And in doing so, we find He is dependable. So, as we come to a conclusion, I want to offer a little thought exercise. I want you to imagine that you're boarding, board, boarding a passenger plane. And this passenger plane is the plane of your life. Unfortunately, you are not the pilot of your plane. And so you sit down, you're the only person in the plane, and you feel that plane taking off. And as you do, palms start to sweat, start to get a little bit nervous, but then you hear the captain's voice come over the intercom. And the captain says this. This is your captain speaking. This is your God and your Heavenly Father. This is the God of your Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that I am a perfectly capable pilot. I have guided thousands of lives for thousands of years, and I have not lost one yet. The pilot continues. On the flight of your life, you're going to hit some turbulence. You're going to hit some bumps. Maybe you'll even look out the little window and you'll think, we seem to be heading in the entirely wrong direction. And when you realize that, you may be tempted to knock on my door to try to open the cockpit and wrest controls out of my hands. You may be tempted to take the, 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 your life into your own hands. Don't do it. He has never failed. He will never fail those who trust in Him. And he, the pilot, continues, I will provide for your needs every day. Not tomorrow's needs today. Tomorrow's needs will be accounted for tomorrow. And I will see you safely to your destination's end. So the pilot continues and says, Sit back. Relax. You can enjoy the flight. I'm a good pilot. And that's God's message to us in the wilderness. God is dependable. Sit back, relax, enjoy the journey. Exercise some of that freedom that some of us may have felt or certainly I have felt over these past several months.
depend upon him, and I guarantee you will find him dependable. Every Sunday during this sermon series, we're going to close with a song that I think is just appropriate for the wilderness. It's a song titled Step by Step, because that's what the wilderness requires. It just requires step-by-step faithfulness, knowing that as we take one step, God is faithful to guide us, and he will guide us in the next step. So invite us to stand and turn.